Discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. This is Vena Jones-Cox and you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, your public radio source for great information on building your financial independence through investing in real estate. And uh, we're going to talk today about how to avoid getting ripped off by contractors. I don't know one single solitary real estate investor who does not have some story about a contractor who did fill in the blank and cost them thousands of dollars. But today we have an expert, Kia Ritchie, also known as the Contractress, who is a Florida licensed building contractor, has been since 1998 and works on both residential and commercial projects, including several for the state of Florida. She's the author of Avoiding the Con in construction, which you can get by going to wmkvfm.org and clicking on the button there. Mike, help me with which. It says Amazon on it. And uh, I guess that (laughs) exactly what I would have thought it said on it, but I was just making sure. Um, So joining us by phone from her home in Florida is Kia Ritchie. Kia, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Vina, because I want your listeners to know that I am one of them now. <laughs> I have joined our Central Florida Real Estate Investors Club, and I'm excited to learn all about it. <laughs> well, and, and, and you will do well because you learned how to overcome one of the biggest problems in real estate investing before you started investing in real estate. And uh, I love the title of your book, the Avoiding the Con in Construction. And uh, throughout the book, you, you refer to the fact that there are co- contractors and then there are contractors. And <laughs> unfortunately, we run across more of the latter sometimes in what we do than uh, the former. Now, one of the things that you focus on very heavily in this book is uh, how to avoid some common scams, some common problems that both homeowners and real estate investors who are looking to uh, renovate properties for various reasons run into. Can, can you just run down for us some of the, some of the top two or three things, mistakes that you see people making in hiring people to do work on their properties? Absolutely. I can give you some red flags that right off the bat, the owner needs to question When the contractor tells the owner that a permit is not necessary, the owner needs to confirm this with the building department because it may be a sign that the contractor is unable to pull the permit. Perhaps he or she is not licensed or insured. And another thing is when the contractor asks the owner to pull the permit because the owner, in this case the investor, becomes liable for the job site and has to understand things like OSHA regulations, payroll regulations, and, of course, code compliancy, which is huge. So those are some basic red flags. Um, I think when a contractor submits an unreasonably low bid, the owner needs to be aware because, generally speaking, contractors that are given a good scope of work, which are blueprints or written specifications, their bids shouldn't deviate more than 15 to 20 percent. So when you get that low bid, either the contractor accidentally forgot to include something in the estimate or they're trying to get in the door and then use change orders to get the price up to where it should have been. 
which leads to the topic of having a very concise scope of work, and we can talk about that later. But also, you want to work with licensed and insured contractors. The state uses these means to regulate professionals that can cause harm. And, you know, investors have a lot at risk. So by ensuring that the contractor is licensed, you'll know that they, he or she is qualified or meets the state's regulations and also insured because that protects them should an injury uh, occur during a project. Those are some of the red flags I right off the bat can think of when mm-hmm. it comes to hiring contractors. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can tell you right now, Kia, that uh, what a lot of listeners are thinking is, wow, you know, this, the, the kind of contractor she's describing is the expensive kind that I can't afford because they, they you know, they do pull all the permits. They're probably general contractors who drive around in shiny trucks with their names on them. And, and th- those, are, those just are not the kind of people that I hire to do work on my $50,000 rental property. What, what would you say to the landlord who's thinking that way? Well, you bring up a good point, and I'd like to mention, though, that legitimate contractors aren't always that much more expensive than the handyman, especially when things go wrong, and then you're up against, you know, further repairs and uh, modifications to the project. And, of course, earlier I mentioned the liability of somebody gets injured on the job, well, then the owner might be involved with a lawsuit that costs several thousands of dollars, and and we've all heard those stories also. So I'm an advocate of doing it right the first time because time is money. But, of course, if the law allows for handymen to do the project, by all means, just make sure the insurance is in place and so forth. But follow the state's requirements for contracting so that you're afforded the protection that the state laws give you also if something goes wrong. So a good example is if you don't pull a permit and it is required on the job, well, you might be forfeiting some of your legal protection if something goes wrong. So there's always that big if to consider, and it can be costly. Mm -hmm. Now, we need to take a quick break, but I want to invite listeners to give us a call with, uh, I don't know, contractor stories, questions about rehab, licensing, insurance, etc., 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us online, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Charles Vonderhaar CPA. For 33 years, Charles Vonderhaar has been providing a wide variety of accounting, tax, and financial management services tailored to meet the needs of both individuals and businesses. His firm also offers personal services for clients in the following areas, individuals, small business, real estate investors, retirees, and trusts. More information about Charles Vonderhaar CPA at 513-563-0598 or at vonderhaarcpa.com. We check on traffic now. We have an accident 471 northbound at Grand, blocking the right lanes. Mill Road at Waycross, Stewart at Ken Arbor, and 1900 block of Westwood Northern Boulevard. Slowdowns approaching the uh, Brent Spence Bridge. Forecast tonight, we're going to cloud up a little bit later on tonight. There's a 40% chance of a shower. Muggy tonight, a low of 65. Tomorrow, fog in the morning. Maybe a chance of a shower or thunderstorm. Again, a 40% chance tomorrow's high around 85 degrees. Then for Friday, a 50% chance of rain, high of 78. Saturday and Sunday, highs in the 60s, upper 60s, with a 50% chance of rain both days. Right now, we're at 86 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from Cincy Magazine, the magazine for business professionals, bringing you arts, business, and culture in the tri-state. It also features monthly topical human interest stories. The current issue is on newsstands now. Subscriptions available at cincymagazine.com. That's C-I-N-C-Y magazine.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Kia Ritchie. And Kia, am I pronouncing that right? Is it Ritchie? 
Yes, that's oh, correct. Okay, because I keep looking at it. That could be Ricci. I'm not sure. Uh, so Kia Ricci, author of Avoiding the Con in Construction. And uh, we're talking about avoiding the con in construction. I mean, we're, we're talking about <laughs> best practices in renovating properties. And uh, there's such a thing, listeners, as stepping over the dollars to get to the dimes. And when you do things like hire the Joe Handyman, jack of all trades guy who swears he can do the roof and plumbing and wiring and kitchen and bath in three weeks by himself for $3,000, you're going to end up spending $3,000 on him and then another $25,000 getting what he did undone. So you you build that in at the front end. You pay less for the property so that you can get it renovated professionally and so that as turnover things occur as 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 your continued ownership of the property requires you to do additional work that you can afford from your cash flow to pay somebody who actually knows what they're doing to fix things and as kia mentioned there's a place for the handyman i mean if if you need the carpet clean and the property painted in between tenants you're not going to go to hire a union painter to do that of course but uh for the big stuff the stuff that can burn your house down or flood it or cause it to collapse or <laughs> whatever uh probably a good idea to hire a licensed and insured contractor we do have a caller on line one hubert from nope not there anymore <laughs> we lost hubert uh hubert if you're still listening Give us a call back. The number is 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area or 877-772-9658 if you're listening from outside the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, now, Kia, you, you've mentioned a couple of times this idea of insurance. And in your little book here, you actually have a graph that, that sort of shows in a in a very obvious way why these folks need insurance they are in dangerous jobs they're up on your roof they're dealing with electricity and circular saws and the injury and death rate amongst construction workers is significantly higher than it is in most other professions but when we're talking about insurance what are we talking about most people are familiar with workers comp but is there something beyond that Yes, there's two types of insurance that come into play in regard to construction, and it's workers' compensation and general liability. And the difference between the two is this. Workers' compensation covers the employees of the contractor, whereas the general liability covers the public that can be injured as a result of the contractor's acts. So let me give you an example. In regard to workers' compensation, it is the owner's safety net if an injury occurs to an employee, and it's considered the exclusive remedy. So let's say you've hired a roofer that falls off the roof and breaks his arm. Well, with the workers' comp in place, this employee can have the medical bills paid for and any other costs associated with the injury. Now, if there's no workers' comp in place. This injured employee may take legal action against not only his employer, the roofing company, but also maybe the GC on the job and the owner, because you know that lawsuits are broad-reaching. And the thing is, it doesn't matter if the lawsuit is just, because the owner still has to pay money to defend him or herself. So that is why it's very important to have workers' comp in place, and verifying coverage is easily done on the Internet. The owner simply needs to enter in the search terms, for example, State of Ohio Workers' Compensation Database, and once you're at the website, after checking the domain name, look for your .gov endings to make sure you're navigating properly to a state website in contrast to a commercial website. At this web page, you'll have the ability to enter in the contractor's company name and verify whether or not the policy is active. And another thing your listeners should know is that exemptions do occur. There are some states 
that allow for exemption from workers' comp. So in Florida, for example, a construction company can exempt two of the corporate officers. So this information should also be listed in the database. But where people sometimes run into problems is that where a workers' comp policy covers all of the employees and it's not the owner's job to make sure, you know, that each name is um, correctly spelled and on the policy and cross-reference with the people on the job site, when it comes to the exemption, it's one exemption per person. So you would want to make sure if there's exempt workers on the job site that this person's name is listed on the state website. One exemption per person. It is not a policy. It does not cover an entire corporate entity. So that sometimes gets um, owners into problem because then they uh, assume that the entire crew is exempt and they're not. Mm -hmm. And in regard to general liability, we talked about it covering the public that could be injured as a result of the contractor's act. So let's say you've hired a roofing contractor again. He goes down the driveway, some uh, nails fall into the public sidewalk, and Joe Public steps on a nail and injures his foot. In this case, if Joe takes legal action, again, against the roofing contractor, the general contractor, and perhaps the owner, you want to make sure that this policy is in place because that would cover Joe's expenses and so forth. And also general liability protects the owner in other ways against property damage by the various subcontractors on the job. Now, general liability is not on the state websites. In this case, you have to ask the contractor who their insurer is and then contact the insurance company directly and have a copy sent to you. And, Vina, it's because forgeries exist. That's why I do as much research as I can on the websites, on state websites, and then, again, to verify that the general liability is truly in place because you know how easy it is to Photoshop you contact the insurer and have them directly mail you a document. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I have had at least two instances in the past uh, 10 years where the contractor faked his workers comp certificate with photoshop mm -hmm. he uh, he had had one at one time <laughs> and he scanned right. it and changed the date and sent it and it was a, a simple call to the department division of workers compensation to find out he hadn't been insured with workers comp in like 18 months yeah so that's why you want to use the state websites because they're current and they're accurate and you know what there's an abundant amount of information on these state websites that pertain to contracting in general. So it's a wealth of information available at the tap of a fingertip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're big here, as, as, as you're hearing, on making sure that your potential contractors are licensed, that they are appropriately insured, and it's even, I think, more important for the landlord or renovator to make certain of this because uh, you might be viewed by the contractor or by his subs as being richer than the average homeowner because you own more than one house. And a lot of those guys <laughs> up on the roof don't even own one. That's so right. potentially, potentially uh, you're, you're going to be even more subject to the... Um, frivolous suits as well as the the cases of actual injury so uh important to do uh, exactly what kia is talking about here uh now we just got an a question via email at askvina at gmail.com uh, this is from jc in las vegas do i need to have lien waivers signed by subcontractors and or material suppliers as well or can i hold the general contractor responsible for these i guess we should probably explain what a lien waiver is there we go and this is a complicated subject and i'm just going to touch on it because it is so complicated you could almost have an entire hour dedicated to how to pay contractors but every state has different lien laws and nevada 
is also unique in that manner. The, the leanors, which are people who are eligible to file liens, not necessarily the subs and contractors that have filed liens, are divided into tiers, first tier, second tier, and third, sometimes fourth tier. The first tier being the GCs and architects that the owners have direct contact and therefore knowledge of. The second and third tier are subcontractors and then sometimes sub-subcontractors, and as Jason mentioned, material suppliers, etc. So what you would have to do is go into the state's statutes and just dig through the legalese and figure out who has lien rights. But it can be done, and it's very important that you understand how to pay your contractors. Generally speaking, you want to exchange a lien release with every payment that you give a contractor. And a lien release can be thought of as a receipt, but you want to make sure that the payment amount is correct and the date is correct. And what's essential to know is you want to do this even on that first deposit check, because I've heard stories from friends where a lien occurred because they did not get a lien release on that first little payment, that first $200, and then you've just opened up this whole mess with liens and, you know, you've clouded your property's title and may have to pay twice uh, this payment to the contractor. So it's important to get lien releases with every payment, and each party has specific things they have to perform for the lien process to work. It protects both the owner and it protects the contractors. So, again, it's, it's quite complicated to, to get into it um, uh, fully in, during this interview, but it's, it's in the book. I, I write an entire chapter on how to pay contractors and do proper payments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very important. I'll tell you, the, probably the number one preventable problem that I hear amongst particularly new investors who are doing their first rehab is the guy who says, all right, the job's going to cost $30,000, so give me $30,000. And they do it. Oh, my God. (laughs) And the other thing they do is they just sign the contract that's given to them without understanding it or not marking up things they disagree with. And that always fascinates me because... uh, Really, the owner needs to be in the driver's seat. But in regard to scope of work, that's a really important topic, Vina. I can't overemphasize how important it is to clearly define what the contractor is going to do. And unfortunately, a lot of the burden rests on the owner. The But there's resources for the owner. You've got all these home improvement stores. You've got magazines and so forth. But when you define the scope of work, either if it's written or in the form of blueprints, it has to accurately describe the make, the model, even the finish of that appliance that you want installed. Because otherwise what happens, as we discussed earlier, you move forward with a contractor who then can possibly submit change orders, but even before you get to that point, you're going to be getting bids from contractors that are left and right of center. They're going to be all over the place because no one's bidding apples to apples. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So spend the time and get a good set of blueprints and uh, work with professionals like, you know, well-known architects or draftspeople, depending on what's required by your building department. And, you know, meet with the building department well in advance of your project because these officials are knowledgeable and they're going to give you a lot of guidance. They're going to tell you what documents you need if a permit is needed. And they'll also, you know, let you know the pitfalls before you even pay for blueprints because imagine spending a thousand or two on blueprints only to find out that, hey, that additions on the easement on your property and cannot be built or hey it's on an environmentally protected part portion of your property 
So meet with the building department well in advance of moving forward with any project. Very good. And when we come back, we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper into that uh, statement of work issue. We'll also take your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or questions via email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Senior Life Newspaper, a monthly newspaper serving and entertaining adults 50 years and older throughout Greater Cincinnati. This month's issue features articles on Cincinnati Zoo Babies, Beekeepers, Meals on Wheels, Heritage Gardens, and Growing Roses. Copies of Senior Life Newspaper are available at Kroger and other grocery stores, senior centers, restaurants, retirement communities, pharmacies, and libraries. We check on traffic now. That accident that was on 471 northbound at Grand, that's been cleaned up and moved out of the way, so that's good news. We do have an accident just reported on northbound 71 north of McMillan blocking the right lane. Eastbound Reagan Highway at 71, an accident on the right shoulder. And right down the street, 10,000 block of Springfield Pike in front of the Kroger store, an accident. Among the backups, East 275 slows up between 42 and Ward's Corner. Eastbound Reagan approaching 71 because of that accident, a backup. Westbound Norwood Lateral approaching 75, some slowdowns. You're on the brakes north 71 off and on between McMillan and Pfeiffer, south 71 through Pfeiffer and down by Taft. Over on 75 northbound, some backups around Hopple and again up by GE and south 75 between Lachlan and Paddock, then by the lateral and then down by the Brent Spence Bridge, some backups there as well. Eastbound 275 uh, is heavy between Kellogg and US 52. Your forecast tonight, cloudy skies, some showers, some thunderstorms possible tonight, 40% chance, a low of 65. Tomorrow we'll get back up into the 80s again, but also tomorrow the added chance of a shower or thunderstorm, 40% chance, and then Friday highs will be in the upper 70s. It is 86 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support for WMKV comes from the Fitton Center for Creative Arts, presenting an evening with Michael Feinstein on Saturday, June 4th at 8 p.m. Broadway singer and actress Christine Ebersole will be performing with Michael this year. A reception follows the concert. Tickets are now available at 513-863-8873. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Kia Ritchie, a.k.a. The Contractress and author of Avoiding the Con in Construction, which can be purchased through Amazon.com by going to WMKVFM.org and clicking the Amazon.com button. Um, Kia, I've been working in the last few weeks with a local real estate investor who's done a lot of wholesaling but is doing his first series of renovations on rental properties. And I have a certain set of contractors that I work with and have been working with for years. And, you know, they know what materials we use. You know, they know always this furnace, you know, always this kind of kitchen cabinet and so on. I've been shocked at the bids that this student of mine has been getting. He got one that said, for this much money, we will, and I quote, replace the kitchen and the bathroom paint the ceilings and the walls and refinish the hardwood floors with one coat of polyurethane. Now, it was only the last thing that specified what it was they were... Replace the kitchen with what? And, and seriously, there have been like three or four bids that have come through this this way. And I think that, that, that a lot of folks who aren't who aren't used to doing this don't understand the detail that these contracts really need to have in them. Yeah, and did you provide the contractor with a written description of what you wanted, the the types of cabinets and the types of countertops, or did you just do a site visit with a contractor and kind of leave it up in the air what was going to be installed? Mm-hmm. Because the, 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 the thing is, as you as you alluded to earlier, you can have two bids for $4,000 to do a kitchen and one contractor can mean solid wood cabinets and ceramic tile and another contractor can mean knock down laminate cabinets and glue down 
vinyl, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, and, absolutely. <laughs> and you have to describe that in the written document that you give the contractor during the site visit. You do want to have the contractor come to the site so they can see where their source of water is, electricity, what are their working hours, what is the you know, staging area for materials, um, et cetera, you know, access to the site where are we putting the dumpster, all that needs to be resolved and incorporated in the bid. But back to that written document, the owner has to be very specific and call out what they want. Uh, what, like you were saying, is it laminate? Is it a granite countertop? Um, what is the finish on the sink and the faucets, et cetera? So, but one cautionary note to your listeners is before you invite contractors to your home, you want to make sure they're qualified. And we didn't talk earlier about public records as a source of verifying whether a contractor is qualified and of sound character. And, again, that's information that's so readily available. In Ohio and Cincinnati, you would type in, Hamilton County Clerk of Court, and just do a quick search on this character and just make sure you're not finding anything like breach of contract or any criminal records, for goodness sake, because you don't want to invite someone into your home that has another agenda, like returning it late at night to the abandoned house and doing X, Y, and Z. So it's important to um, use public records, too, as a source of information on contractors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me how so, some of these some of these bad guys their name keeps coming up to me again and again year after year. I'll, I'll get I'll get a, a call from a desperate seller who just spent $40,000 to not get a rehab done and it's the same name that I heard 5 years ago and 5 years before that. And if you if you if you so much as google these names, mm-hmm. you'll find endless complaints about them. On, right. on the internet, and yet they keep getting hired. The the trust but verify thing is extremely important in this part of the business because I, I I don't know, Kia. This just may be my own prejudice about this, but it seems to me like the contracting business attracts more bad guys than the average business. Yeah, it does happen, and they get all the publicity. But that's exactly why I wrote the book. Because I've been a general contractor or a prime contractor for several years, and I'm always hiring subs. So I have a certain routine I follow. And then, like you mentioned, you get a core of good contractors. Well, then you're golden. You just use the same guys. They're trustworthy. They do what they're going to say, or et cetera. So, uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, you want to make sure you get qualified contractors on board Mm -hmm. yeah there's something there's something about a business where you can slap a magnetic sign on the side of your truck and and call yourself a contractor you know you can you can't do that and call yourself a realtor or a lawyer or a doctor not that there aren't you know bad guys in those professions too but you have to remember folks that uh you know these are these are people who uh can say whatever they want to say and the 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 bad ones don't look bad they don't talk to you like they are bad people in fact some of them are some of the most charming people you've ever met which is mm-hmm. how they keep getting away with this over and over and over again so uh renovators if you are looking to start renovations start start doing this sort of thing yourself yes you want to develop a core of good contractors and kia how do you suggest that uh, if i'm if i'm brand spanking new and i want to find out who does good roofs i mean what do i do go to google and google roofer well oh that's a great question vina because here's another asset to visiting the state websites did you know that sometimes you can work that database in re- reverse as in not using it to enter in a contractor's name, but selecting the drop-down menu, hitting roofing contractors if they require professional license like they do in Florida, and then enter in the county where you uh, are looking, and it'll give you the list of the people that are licensed. That's a great starting point because, again, if a license is required, you want to make sure that you hire a licensed contractor. So 
visit the state websites and see if you can get the database to work for you in that manner. And then, of course, you know, you have your um, phone books and, and, and magazines and so forth. But here's another tip. If you see construction underway and the job site looks clean, it looks professional, maybe even know some of the neighbors or people in that subdivision, and they say, yeah, these guys are dynamite, well, why not, you know, take the names of the subs you see on site or, you know, flag down the site superintendent and say, look, you got 10 minutes to spend with me and let me know who the, who the good guys are here. Because a lot of them will talk to you, but you want to make sure you have permission before you enter a job site because, again, construction is inherently dangerous and you don't want to get injured or cause injury to other people that are working on the site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Key, we have had a couple of more questions come in via email here. Uh, this is one from Bob in San Antonio. He says, it's uh, a good question, how, how should I respond to contractors who want me to buy materials for them? Shouldn't they have credit relationships with suppliers and the building department such that I do not need to be involved in buying materials or pulling permits? Absolutely. I'm going to put that on my red flag list. <laughs> uh, sometimes it does occur, but honestly, if a contractor is legitimate, we have money to start the job up. In fact, let me segue and give another tip to your listeners. Make multiple small payments. That's also critical. Don't put a lot of cash out. Do lots of small payments, and then neither party is or uh, owed work or money. But back to uh, Bob, you know, it's interesting because some states license uh, general contractors and others don't. And I think GCs need to be licensed because the testing involved in the state of Florida required me to estimate all the costs associated with a project in addition to a number of other things, you know, being familiar with OSHA and, you know, corporate structure and et cetera. So then after we passed the test, we had to demonstrate financial soundness. I had to actually show them bank statements and assets and so forth because the state of Florida wanted to ensure, again, that I was financially sound and had even a, a history free of uh, criminal acts. They do a background <laughs> check and fingerprint you. So, in my opinion, the contractor should have enough assets to get the job off the ground. And then, if they follow that rule of making multiple small payments, then everybody should be happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question here from Steve in Cincinnati, Ohio. How should I handle a contractor who's progressing on a job but far slower than agreed to in the contract? Should I fire and replace him promptly or stage an intervention first? <laughs> <laughs> intervention! Uh, I always suggest having a discussion before taking legal action, but I'm really pleased to hear that something was included in the contract because... If he has to move forward with legal action, at least you've got a, a written document that was agreed to by both parties. Uh, it's hard to say what action he should take because I'll tell you, a lot of reputable contractors don't want to come in and have to fix the mess of a, a, a contractor that's done poor work because they don't want to assume liability. And it's just a mess all the way around at that point. So I'm not saying that other contractors wouldn't step into the job, but obviously you'll be spending more money because just the the contracting portion of every job costs money. It costs me money to visit the job site, create an estimate, create the schedules, et cetera, you know, pull the permit. So there's a cost associated with that, and unfortunately this gentleman would have to do that if he brought another contractor on board. So start with a discussion, you know, point out that it is in the contract, and, you know, I don't know if you want to necessarily threaten legal action, but you want to put it on the table, and then just see how the cards fall. And 
Another resource your listeners should know about is, and, and this won't apply necessarily to this case, it would apply to more um, cases where there was actually fraud involved. The Department of Business and Professional Regulation, or the entity, the state entity that governs contractors, they should be contract, uh, contacted if a contractor has misperformed or has done something bad. But what the owner has to make sure is that all the documents are in place, the permits, the receipts, the contracts, and so forth. So the job had to be done correctly and legally in order to, for the owner to have recourse with the state and with the legal system, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. That's something else. I, I don't like to threaten people, but it's another card that the homeowner is holding, because if this is a licensed professional on the job site, and you tell this person that, look, I'm contacting your li- the licensing board about this incident, the contractor is going to take note of that, because our license is what makes us money. So I know my license is dear to me, and I would be very concerned if someone threatened that course of action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now we need to take one final quick break and also open the phone lines back up to anyone who has a question about dealing with contractors, contracts, getting the work done on time, on budget, etc. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. <laughs> Join the celebration in luxury as WMKV cruises the Ohio River in style aboard the Satisfaction 2 yacht Thursday, June 9th. There are still seats remaining for the evening cruise. It's our members-only cruise Thursday, June 9th. You'll enjoy a cruise that takes you downriver to see the Cincinnati and northern Kentucky skylines. And it includes open bar, a lavish buffet, and two decks of sightseeing, fun, and friends. You'll be on with other WMKV listeners on this exclusive and exquisite cruise on the Satisfaction 2 yacht. Each all-inclusive ticket is $120 per person for the evening cruise and directly supports WMKV. So call today to reserve your tickets, singles, couples, or even a table of friends or family. Once again, you can order at 513-782-2427 or online at wmkvfm.org. And we'll see you on the river June 9th with WMKV. And we'll check on traffic now. Uh, just one accident now on the board. It's North 71, north of McMillan on the right side. We do have a disabled reported eastbound Columbia Parkway near Torrance. And we have some backups, usual spots, but perhaps heavier than usual. Eastbound 275 between U.S. 42 and Ward's Corner. And eastbound Reagan approaching 71 because of an earlier accident. I want to remind you real quick that Cincinnati police have issued a missing adult alert. Uh, Rosella Elson, age 84. Uh, was last seen uh, driving a 1996 Gold Ford Taurus with Ohio license number DYB1131. Uh, if you spot the vehicle, please notify police. Your forecast this evening, cloudy skies, maybe some rain after midnight, some fog definitely. Tonight's low will be around 65. And then tomorrow, patchy fog in the morning, showers and thunderstorms possible, but just a 40% chance, a high around 85 degrees. Highs in the 70s on Friday, and then this weekend, highs in the 60s, but also a 50% chance of rain. It's 86 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Kia Ritchie about... uh, how to Avoid the Con in Construction, which is mostly the name of her book. It's Avoiding the Con in Construction, How to Plan for a Hassle-Free Home Building Renovation and Repair, available at Amazon.com through WMKVFM.org. Um, speaking of which, I have a question here that actually came in last week when we were not on the air from uh, Francilia in San Diego that says, uh, I love your show. I discovered you recently. Thanks to my partner and husband. We're fascinated. We are investing and would love to join the inner circle too. This is our third year and we flip homes in Columbus and hold three rentals in Birmingham, Alabama. Please send us more information. Now the problem, Francilia, is that when these emails come to me through the uh, AskVina.com website, I don't have your... 
I don't have your email. I can't respond to you via email because they just they, they this is forwarded to me. Uh, but I will tell you that I just went to wmkvfm.org and I clicked the support button at the top and then I went over to uh, thank you gifts. And this is all on the website. And then I went down the page about two-thirds of the way and I found that the inner circle is still on that page from the pledge drive. So you can sign up for the inner circle with a pledge to uh, WMKV um, online or actually I guess probably calling 513-841-9898 is probably the best way to do that and as you probably know because you obviously listen to the fun drive program it's thirty nine ninety seven a month and you can quit anytime so I hope you're listening Francilia because I don't have any way of responding to you uh, via email uh, so uh, Kia we've got uh, like five more minutes left in the show and we've covered some of the high points big mistakes that folks make uh, not making sure that their contractors are licensed and insured and that doesn't mean they tell you so that means you check also not giving contractors all the money to do the job up front <laughs> um, also uh, we talked a little bit before the break about if the if the contract if the contractor is moving more slowly than was expected uh, what to do about that and uh, just a further comment on that because uh, it, it's a pain in the rear when you're living in a house and your kitchen's being remodeled and it was supposed to take six weeks and it takes four months when you're doing that on a property that you're trying to flip that is all money out of your pocket Mm -hmm. that's why you want professionals on board right and every a good contract and a good scope of work right yeah because every every month it's costing you holding costs plus i can tell you there's a big big difference between getting a house on the market in august and getting it on the market in november mm. to sell so uh the way a lot of folks uh, handle that in the real estate investing business is their contracts don't just contain dates it doesn't just say the job will be done by such and such a date it also says and if it's not it's going to cost you the contractor a hundred dollars a day until yet another date and on that date i can fire you and replace you not owing you anything and you can't sue me so <laughs> liquidated damages i encounter that in a lot of state contracts mm -hmm. and indeed that makes the contractor pay attention Yes, yes, and it also makes them, you know, if, if, they, if they've told you eight weeks and they, uh, in fact, believe it'll take 12, at that point they'll tell you that they believe it'll, in fact, uh, take 12. Now, uh, another thing I want to discuss quickly, Kia, is, is this, this idea of change orders, all right? They're going to happen. You, 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 you give your contractor a complete scope of work. This is every, this is every nail, screw, knob, you know, everything that you everything that we're going to need and we agree that this is exactly what's going into the property and then they take the kitchen cabinets off the wall and discover the wall was destroyed by termites which neither one of you possibly could have known and that's where we get into this thing called a change order right well you know Vina, you could almost address that in the contract also because i'm glad you brought this up because sometimes change orders are necessary like you said the the contractor doesn't know about hidden conditions so why not write into the contract that if there is a problem that's discovered a hidden condition that the contractor will perform such and such work at whatever the going the rate is if it's $55 an hour or $85 an hour if it's an electrician or something and then submit to you the material receipts, and they're going to mark up materials. You know, uh, investors also have to realize that contractors need to make some money too. So they have a working rate and also a price for materials plus a moderate um, markup on that. So that could be handled in the contract, and may, and then when this error is discovered, you know, both of you meet on site and come up with an agreeable uh, time frame and cost, and make sure you have a good, uh, well-defined change order that's written out that shows, you know, the change in the cost, the change in the time, and that both parties agree to it. 
Mm-hmm. It has to be written is my point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, change orders, by the way, are not for use by the contractor who underbid so that he could come in later and change things that were obvious at the time at which he bid. I've, I've, yeah. I, I've, I've had that happen that, uh, you know, the contractor says, yeah, I could do all this for, for this price. And then, oh, you know, by the way, you're going to need appliances for that kitchen. Yeah, exactly. You have to make sure that the blueprints are tied to the contract with the language that's included in the contract and make sure that the date of the drawings, the architect, be very specific which drawings you're attaching uh, to the contract. So Mm -hmm. that's important also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, very. And I've got one tip to leave with your listeners that's really important, and that is to make sure there's consistency in all the contracting documents, meaning the license, the insurance, the contract, and the checks are all written to a business entity. You want to be doing business with business entities, not necessarily Joe Plummer, but you know, Joe's Plumbing, Inc., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that's important because sometimes another con that I mention is when someone says, oh, I'm working under Joe's Sapiro's uh, license, and that's illegal in a lot of states. So you, if you just make sure all the contracting documents are consistent, you're going to avoid a lot of pitfalls. Very good. Thank you so much, Kia Ritchie, author of Avoiding the Con in Construction for all the great information that you've shared with Real Life Real Estate listeners this week. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV Reading, Ohio. Time for Local 12 News at 6. Breaking news alerts and the hour-by-hour forecast from the Weather Authority. This is Local 12 News. A suspected kidnapper picks on the wrong victim at a Norwood McDonald's. Now he's getting not-so-happy meals at the Hamilton County Jail. Good evening, everybody. Police say Timothy Wayne Glanton jumped into a victim's car at a McDonald's